Hey, I'm Corey. And I'm Lori. And this is the Nourish Circle Podcast. Join the band as we gather in our Nourish Circle and talk all things weight-inclusive, haze, non-diet, and whatever else is nourishing us. Today's episode is brought to you by our Join the Band Teespring store. Click the link in our show notes to check out our badass non-diet dietitian merchandise. On this episode of the Nourish Circle podcast, we are talking to Lisa Mella, who is a certified intuitive eating counselor and a weight-inclusive non-diet dietitian in Burlington, Ontario. She practices from a feminist framework and works with folks to help them heal their relationship with food and their bodies. It's a great conversation that I have with Lisa today. We chatted about growing up in Brazil and how that informed how she felt about her body and how it changed a little bit when she came to Canada and started studying dietetics and how she's had to unlearn some of what she did learn. Um, it was wonderful and we re- I really hope that you enjoy. And a little bit of a programming note. You're going to hear uh, today's interview just being done by myself, Lori, as Corey has taken a bit of time away from the podcast to focus on her graduate studies. So she may pop in for a few podcasts here and there, um, but as usual, we would wish Corey the best of luck with those, and we look forward to hearing from her when we can. Um, Also a reminder that we don't bleep out swearing, as sometimes when we talk about diet culture, that just happens. So please be mindful when you're listening. Enjoy. Hello, Lisa. Welcome to the Nourish Circle podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So excited to be talking to you today. Um, We went to a workshop together recently in Toronto, where we were working with Fiona Sutherland and Haley of um, Inspired to Seek. Um, And so it was kind of cool getting a chance to, um, you know, work alongside with you there and learn more about your work. And I thought we could do a little chat about that today. Yes. Awesome. So before we get started, um, I just kind of like to ask if there are any identities or privileges that you're comfortable um, sharing with the listeners, um, along with any paradigms that you work from. Okay, yes. Um, So let me think. (laughs) Uh, So I'm Latina. I'm from Brazil, originally. I'm a cis heterosexual woman in a stable relationship, um, financially stable, grew up financially stable as well. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm thin, but I definitely have brain privilege and um, I don't have my access to things limited because of my body size. Um, with regards to paradigms, I would say that I'm a non-diet, haze dietitian. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Great. Thanks so much for sharing that. I always just think that this is... Um like an audio medium, it's always good to kind of let people know who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, I know uh, that you're fairly new to the Hayes movement and the non-diet world. Um, I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit, a bit about how you were introduced to Hayes, um, as well as the um, path of where you went to get here today. Yes, of course. So um, I've been a dietitian for almost um, four years now. And yeah, um, I was actually lucky to get kind of introduced to a bit of non-diet, a bit of haze at uh, during my undergrad, which was in the uh, University of Montreal. Okay, um, that's unusual, actually, isn't it? 
It is. It is. Oh my goodness. Like when I talk with other dietitians and they're like, yeah, no, I never heard about this at school. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, we talk about that. Like see it with the things that I know today. I know it's very general, but I remember when I was at school, I'm like, oh, this is so unexpected. And this yeah. is so different from what I was kind of thinking I would learn. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah. oh, that's interesting. Even there, so at the clinic at the University of Montreal, they have already a lot of questions about kind of relationship with food in their assessment form. Like they have a clinic that provides kind of private services. Mm-hmm. And um, there were already like questions about that. And I'm like, oh, I, I like this. This is interesting. That's anyway. great that you got that in undergrad. Yes. Yes. That was, yeah, no, that was really amazing, actually. Um, then I graduated and moved uh, to Ontario. I started working with um, home care. Mm-hmm. And I would say that it was never kind of a weight-centric practice, but I didn't know know much about haze I would say it was just more I knew that prescribing weight loss was wrong but that's pretty much like where practice from or kind of talking about behaviors and that's all I knew and I think and then I started kind of listening to podcasts and trying to I don't know study and learn more but I think all the time why it made a lot of sense to me to kind of put that in practice with my clients and my patients and people that i saw it was really hard to put in practice in my own life Mm -hmm. that um for me i always had that idea that well this is what a dietitian should look like or i don't know i have to be in a smaller body i have to i was still kind of pursuing that thin ideal Mm-hmm. And then, so and then fast forward um, one and a half years, I think. Anyway, then I had my daughter. It was in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, then I was on mat leave. And I remember, like, looking at her and thinking, ouch, like, I don't <laughs> want her to grow up, thinking, like, pursuing this thin ideal. Mm-hmm. And thinking that it's never good enough. And she has to be smaller because I was having those feelings like with all the changes that our body goes through during like pregnancy and then giving birth and then motherhood, which is something that completely changed my life. And I know this is cliche, but (laughs) (laughs) no, but it does. Yes. It it is because that's what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, I had that feeling that how oh, I have to, I don't know, go on a diet and lose weight. And at the same time, I was like, but what am I doing? You know, there was that conflict and it was so strong. And I think that's when I kind of decided that I, well, it took me a few months like thinking about that and telling myself, well, but you know this kind of intellectually, you understand this. Mm-hmm. And I think during my mat leave, I did. I did a lot of kind of reading or listening to podcasts and getting more and more kind of introduced um, to Hayes and understanding more kind of the research, the social justice part. 
you know, really actually understanding it versus just, oh, yeah, I kind of know what it is, but not really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for a few months, I was like, no, you can do this. Like, you know it. You have ever, like, you have all the tools that you need. And then I realized, I was like, yeah, no, I actually can do this alone. <laughs> I, need, I need help. I need someone to talk about this and actually be able to put this in practice in my life and realize that I don't need to keep, like, chasing this idea that doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's what happened and then I think during my mat leave I was also I always wanted to go to do kind of more private practice mm-hmm. and like at the end of my leave and that's what I did I still worked with home care for another year um yes another year and a half or so before I just said okay now I'm really gonna do just private practice and work like in a haze oriented um practice mm-hmm. um so yeah i think i don't know if that answers <laughs> oh it, it does <laughs> thank you yes so you um so what you you were introduced to haze in undergrad and it kind of still took another four years it sounds like to kind of really get it more ingrained and lots of learning oh my goodness yes definitely lots of learning and unlearning, I would say. Yes, I know. <laughs> lots, of, lots of challenging um, things that I learned actually in undergrad. Because I think even though I was introduced um, in school, there was all, also the kind of clinical classes, which were very weight-centric. So in a way, it was like some conflicting messages that we got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Which yeah. I think can happen when people aren't fin- aren't doing the unlearning along with the learning is that they can kind of straddle a little bit, right? And I think as people are becoming more introduced to the health at every size um, paradigm, they kind of straddle for a bit before they fully go in. Yes, yes, I agree. I think when you, for a lot of people, when they first hear about it, it sounds radical. Mm-hmm. Or like very different from everything they learned before. It's like, what do you mean this is wrong? Or like this yeah. is not actually how we do things. Or yeah. yeah so the what do you mean I'm not helping? <laughs> right? Sorry? The what do you mean I'm not helping when I'm yeah. trying to do the weight loss thing right yes yes i mean i'm just giving them what they want and i'm like oh mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's hard um and now you're fully um in private practice yes yes so now i'm doing private practice um here in burlington ontario mm-hmm. and um i don't know how, like right now i only see clients one-on-one and i have some plans not so sure see what I'm going to do next year, but mm-hmm. um, probably offering other things, maybe some groups or workshops or because I think I also find like most of the Hayes practitioners, they are in private practice yes. and part of it sucks because I mean, it is expensive. Yeah, that's the reality. I mean, 
it's just a small amount. Yes. <laughs> just some people that are able to pay. Yeah. And I think um, just for reference with being in Canada, um, I know a lot of, of the extended health benefits that people have don't cover dietitians. Yes. Yeah. Or it's not a, like, it's a few hundred uh, a year. Yes. It's really quite small. Yeah. Yes. yes. So I'm fully aware that the people that I see in my practice, they're very privileged. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have the financial means to be there. Yes. Yeah. So I'm trying, I think one of my goals for the next year is to try to offer more affordable services mm -hmm. or other ways of offering services. Yeah. Well, you and I are both on the Recovery Collective. Yes. Um, yes, you, that's true. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? Um, so... <laughs> Try well, uh, it, it's sorry. for eating. I was just going to say it's for eating disorder recovery, mm -hmm. um, and it's a service that people can apply to for kind of bridging. Is my understanding while they're waiting to get into funded programs? Um, and you and I both donate our time. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yes. Just to someone kind of once a week, and I think also for people who don't qualify, because there's that too, right? Like for the yeah. um, like the OHA based um, programs. Because mm -hmm. sometimes, because even because of their weight, they may not even qualify to go to Yes, exactly. Um, and just for reference, OHIP is Ontario Health Insurance Plan that we have that you get enrolled in when you're born in Canada uh, or born in Ontario, as well as when you become a citizen, I believe. Um, but yes, so it's funded programs, but you're right. There's criteria to get in and there's often long wait lists and Yes. So yeah. yes, yeah, that's definitely kind of um, a way to the recovery collective. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't, I don't know where I was going with this. Oh, that's all good. No, I totally just interrupted and was like, hey, what do you think that you were talking about more affordable services? <laughs> yes, yes. Because I mean, I know there are some dietitians here in Ontario in the um, kind of the, the programs paid yeah, by OHIP, which you mm -hmm. explain what it is, yeah. um, that they are kind of haze um, aligned. Yes. But I think with the thing about the majority of care, I don't know. It's still very medical model. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think there's people um, inside making great strides forward, but I do think that it is predominantly still very medical model, is my understanding. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's mine too. Mm -hmm. um, so you mentioned off the top that you were born in Brazil and you lived there for probably most of your formative years, if I understand correctly. Yeah. Um, and they have, um, I, now I've never been to Brazil, but um, my understanding is it they have a very specific view of bodies, like mm. culturally. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just wondering about if you could speak a little bit to how growing up in that environment kind of informed the way you feel about your body mm -hmm. or the way you've thought about it as an adult. Mm -hmm. So that's a really interesting question, actually. <laughs> it took me a while to gotta think about that. Wow, how did that influence me? Uh, yeah, so I'm from a city in Brazil uh, called Recife. And we are in the northeast um, coast. 
and I have a lot of family members who are from Rio de Janeiro. Okay. And I think even between the two cities, there's a huge difference, kind of in a way, every time I went to Rio, it is very, how can I say this? Um, there is a strong emphasis on the body. Okay. And it's like what body should look like, and you have to be a specific way. I don't know how to say that. Like a very small waist and a big butt. And oh, okay. And now most people, well, not most people, but um, like silicone implants, they're very uh, popular, like brass implants. I, I think it was maybe the first or the second country in the world in uh, kind of plastic surgeries. I was going to say, I thought I read that stat where Brazil um, has either the largest per capita or something where it, it is very quite prominent. It's almost common. It is. It is. Oh, my goodness. It's very, very common. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, all the, the medical model in Brazil, it's bizarre. They, they have a government funded like universal care which would be similar to here in canada mm-hmm. but they also have the private system so what ends up happening is that the public system doesn't work well and then most people well most people that can afford they pay for the private system and now they're same services so oh, doctors okay. surgeons uh, hospitals everything is private too Oh, okay. So there's a competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like healthcare in Brazil. It's kind of it's it's a market, like a private market. Mm-hmm. It's like you go to a hospital, and there will be this huge uh, sign that says like a private hospital, and say, "Well, we have this new machine." So say this new MRI machine. Ask your doctor to get oh. <laughs> an MRI. Just just because. <laughs> yes. <laughs> are you sure you don't need this 50 blood work or something like that so um and even now i know that there like bariatric surgery it's there's a lot of people doing it and in a way that um so the doctor will say well you don't have any issues now but it can happen in the future so you might as well do it now oh really yeah I didn't know that. Yes. So I've heard, um, like, people, some people that I know, they are, like, friends and all. They kind of know what I do, and they have, um, I have a couple of friends that told me that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. So that's, wow. I don't know, weird. But anyways, the question was about um, how do I see bodies? Yes, after growing up in that environment. Yeah. Um, how how did that form your opinion of either your own body or bodies around you? I think in a way, so I grew up as a fat kid and did all the diet things possible. Like my mom took me to Weight Watchers, to an endocrinologist, um, and I don't know, frozen meals, whatever you can think of. Mm-hmm. So part of me knew from a very early age that, well, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> like, how, how young were you when you first went? Uh, when I first went to Weight Watchers, probably seven or eight. Wow. Okay. 
Yes. And, and I remember being really young and people telling me, oh, you're not fat, you're chubby. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, like, first, why are you telling me that? Second, what is wrong with being fat? And third, I'm not fat, I'm chubby. Like, what does that mean? Exactly, yeah. Yes. So um, that was hard, honestly. And But at, at the same time, I think, like, growing up, while I knew or I thought there was something wrong with me, because there was so much emphasis on looks and whatever in Brazil, it mm-hmm. was, like the rebel part of me said, I'm against this, or like, I don't want to be this way. I don't want to be worrying about how I look like all the time. Uh-huh. So I think that at the same time, it took me a bit further away from what we expect, I don't know, a person to do. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'm being clear. <laughs> oh, no, totally. Trying to say. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't know. Like, you have to have your eyebrows plucked. And I'm like, why? Or you have, I don't know, all this, you have to do this and this and this. Mm-hmm. I always question that a lot. But I would say in terms of, like, my body size, that was definitely something that I, like, believed was wrong mm-hmm. but in terms of other things like appearance wise I was able to say well you know what I actually not going to blow dry my hair for whatever is it this thing I actually like it the way it is like my natural hair yeah so it sounds like you really push back against a lot of kind of like maybe the beauty ideals um but the body stuff was just maybe so internalized that you didn't realize you could push back against it as much? Yes, I think so. And it was more everywhere almost. And I think seeing other people kind of doing the same thing, like either going on a diet or just saying that you need to be thinner or smaller, or it was more prevalent than the other things, I think. Okay. Wow, that, that would be difficult, I think. Um, being that young and being told that your body wasn't okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I would say even when, like, so when my daughter was born, as I said, and then I, I realized that I had to actually do the inner work, it took me some time to kind of heal those wounds and yeah. realize that, well, like, people were doing the best that they could with either the culture where they grew up and were the information that they had and at the same time it sucked and Uh and now I can kind of move forward and move past that yeah that's a lot of work you've done it sounds like it is (laughs) (laughs) and it's amazing that your daughter seemed to be the um, precipitous for that you you didn't want it sounds like you don't want her to have a similar life experience or a body story yes yes no that's for sure i think initially it was the reason why kind of when i looked at her and i kept thinking like i don't want her to have those feelings i don't want her to ever feel like she's not good enough because Mm -hmm. of how she looks like and then it's funny because at some point and 
I kind of realized, yeah, kind of this is started because of her, but it's actually about me too. Kind of, I deserve to live a life where I don't think that I need to be smaller and smaller and smaller. Yes, you do. Yeah. You do deserve yeah. that life. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I love that sentence. I'm like, ooh, title. <laughs> um. And just speaking about your daughter, you've been doing a lot of social media recently um, on being a body positive mom. Um, yes. So I follow your account and I, I love some of the stuff that you're doing. Can you speak a bit to that? Because um, some of it's pretty vulnerable and you just, you're really putting it out there. And so amazing credit to you for doing that. And I just wonder if you could share a little bit about how you came to the decision to kind of um, curate your feed to be a little bit more that way and some of the messaging that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, when I started kind of doing um, private practice, I was doing a little bit of everything. I was like, oh, I'm just going to do kind of non-diet, haze, and um, see where this kind of takes me. And, that, and then even before, I always thought or believed that I wanted to be more in this, like, motherhood thing. But I think I just didn't give me permission to say, these are the people that I want to work with, or this is exactly what I want to do. Hmm. So I started more general. And yeah, I do have like a, a lot of mothers in like as my clients. And I think with time, like at this like end of the year fall, well, this year, I thought that I wanted to be more intentional with uh, my practice versus just kind of going with the flow, which is what I had been doing. And I don't know, for me, this, like, the motherhood space, it, it's somewhere that I, I don't know, I feel very connected to. Mm -hmm. Maybe because, yeah, for me, it was so life-changing when my daughter was born. It made me question so many things. It made me do a lot of inner work and change, like, so much of who I was yeah. that, I don't know, I felt compelled to kind of speak to other moms about this because there's so much pressure on a woman's body you know and when like when you're pregnant there's a pressure that your body has to look a certain way you know, yes like the beach ball in, at the front and nothing else right yes yes you can only have a bump and i remember being very honest i remember being pregnant and feeling i don't want to say proud but maybe yeah like quote-unquote proud of myself because my body kind of looked like the like I had a, this big bump and people would say oh you only have bump you want to read that mm. awful comments yeah <laughs> that now looking back I'm like well it, that doesn't make me a better person or it doesn't mean anything no, it doesn't. It's funny though. You're right. It's it's one of the most common. Oh, you look so good, pregnant. Yes, yes. And I'm like, oh. Or I remember when I first went, um, I went to my husband's office, like his work, and brought our daughter with us. And she was about three months, or I don't know how old she was. She was small. And then people were saying, oh, you don't even look like you had a baby. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm holding the baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, why do we say those things? 
And this is not know. like against the person who said that. It's more the culture. You know what I mean? Like, why are we saying those things to people in mm-hmm. such a vulnerable moment? Like, oh, I just want to yeah. say, well, hold my baby. I want to sleep because she cried for the first three months of her life, 24-7. And I thought I was going to lose my mind. Yes. <laughs> I had one of those children, too. I hear you. <laughs> yes. That was freaking hard. I remember she being really young and me thinking, how do people have a second child? Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we said that frequently as well. But it's so interesting because you're right. You're so vulnerable. You're so tired. Your hormones are all over the place. And people are like, don't worry, you'll get your body back. And I remember thinking, I didn't lose it. Yes, yes. It's still here. <laughs> Yeah, so then you kind of you lose yourself, yeah. yourself, and you don't know almost who you are anymore. And attached to that is that feeling that oh, and, if it, and your body is not the same, and you have this, and even like even if you do lose weight, even if you have the same weight that you had before, whatever, it's not the same body. It will never be. No, it, I mean you grew a human being and you gave yeah. birth. And how can we expect that much from our body? I mean, no, I want you to just go back in time and let's pretend. It never happened. Yeah, this never happened. Um, so, yes, I think, I, I don't know. I think even like being in mom groups and talking to other women about this, it was always kind of something that people would be very uncomfortable about kind of the year body even though would i don't know like those feelings that i'm a failure because i look this way and it's that i don't know amazing human being that accomplished so much yeah you know what i mean and they still have this sense that they are a failure because they their body look a certain way and I'm like, oh, like, I want to be a voice against this. And I want to place my work in this. And honestly, I think one of maybe the main or purpose or the, like visions of my business, my practice to me, it's really start to build or change the world in a way that my daughter and other people's daughter they will grow up in a more like pop well i don't think positive is the world but you know what i mean like in the year we can change the culture mm-hmm. one person at a time yeah and no yeah i hear what you're saying you to be less stigmatizing and less fat phobic yes yes because it's phobic mm-hmm. yeah oh you haven't even hit school systems yet just wait oh my goodness I know I know tell me about it I don't yeah she, uh, I don't I don't even though things start really early so she was home not long ago and it was not a body but then a, a food thing she was singing something and I'm like what is this then I googled because it was something like um i don't know like did you have sugar and it was like no mama no mama and i'm like what is what what are you saying so i googled and apparently it's a song that it's about the boy who eats something and then the the dad asks and he says uh, he didn't 
and it was like sugar pizza cake whatever and i'm like oh really really oh my goodness yeah and i never know those songs because i like i didn't grow up here so i don't know i don't know that song yeah and, uh, <laughs> and i'm like what is this <laughs> yeah were just two and a half <laughs> yes oh so we have so much work to do <laughs> we do yes yes oh i i really enjoy talking to you i you're just such a wonderful sparkly human that i really really enjoy i have to say and i love all the work that you're putting out and again just how your instagram account is wonderful and how vulnerable you are in that i just think is beautiful um but I like to kind of wrap up the podcast a little bit with um, the question of what is nourishing you now? Yes. And thank you first. <laughs> um, so yes, what is nourishing me now? So I think number one would be the Underbelly app. It's a yoga app by Jasmine Stanley. And it's oh, yeah. the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> like it's a monthly subscription that you pay and then there's all those videos and she is just freaking amazing she is yeah. yeah like i recommend it to everyone i have recommended to a lot of my clients <laughs> and i tell them like i'm not making any money out of this i'm actually recommending because i really like her and she's amazing and kind of take a look if it's not for you it's okay but she's really great <laughs> So I think it was actually the first time that I was able to like regularly move my body in a way that makes sense to me and it, there's no like guilt or anything. It's an overall very positive experience. Beautiful. And yeah, so I, I love her. I love her work and her app is really good. We can put that in the show notes too if you'd like. Cool. All right. Yes. And then um, number two, and it goes back a little bit to the vulnerability that you were talking about. So I've been um, reading or listening to a lot of Brenda Brown's work. Mm -hmm. And I know part of what she says, it is problematic. There's some fit phobia in there. Then you're like, oh, why don't you get it? <laughs> you talk so much about shame and vulnerability. And you were saying those things. Kind of don't do that, please. Yes, um, but, but I would, sorry. But I was gonna say, but there is some beautiful stuff. <laughs> yes, yes, there is some amazing stuff, and that was for me. Being vulnerable was always something that was really hard. Um, but I think, especially her book, that daring greatly, one that she talks about a lot of experience from other people, it made me realize I was like, wow, this is such a common human experience. You know, like shame and feeling less than, feeling not good enough. It's just that we don't talk about it that much. Right. So yeah. maybe if we talked more about this, it would kind of normalize it. And I don't know, people would suffer less maybe, or I don't know, because they would realize that this is actually a common experience. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, those two things lately. <laughs> oh, well, you kind of can't go wrong with those two things. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize Justin Stanley had an app. And so, yeah, I'm totally going to be Googling that once we get off. Um, 
Again, thank you so much for joining our Nourish Circle today. Um, where can our listeners find you if you, if they would like to find you? Yes. So thank you for having me again. It was really cool. And uh, yeah, so I'm on Instagram. It's a bodypeace.mom. And my website is um, bodypeacemom.com. So that's um, two places where I'm at. And you're very active on Instagram. So I encourage everyone to take a sneak peek there um, and connect with you. Yay. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Come find her. Come find Lisa. Yeah, um, so again, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye, Larry. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Nourish Circle. Don't forget to like us on iTunes or Spotify and subscribe so that you never miss an episode.